want to learn how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast, where we are looking at seeing and sharing Jesus through all of the Scriptures. This week, we will finish our discussion uh, of the overview of Proverbs. I'll be uh, joined again by John Aiken, Josh Redberg, and by Liam Garvey. So before we jump into how some big ways it points to Jesus throughout, how how did you guys break it down as you plan to preach it? Um, John, I'll start with you, but uh, we're thinking through teachers, Sunday school teachers, people just reading on their own, but how would you sort of think about breaking down um, in, in order to preach this book? Yeah, so I think... Uh... It is a challenge for those of us. I think everyone on this podcast are committed to expository preaching. And so Proverbs presents some some unique challenges to that, because once you get outside of chapter nine and you get into chapters 10, you know, through um, basically through 29, you have these like one or two line aphorisms that are just real short and they seem real random. And I've not ever seen a real good. Um, you know, a real good strategy for figuring out why they are where they are. Um, I kind of think I just say this now. I kind I kind of tend to again as I think Proverbs is fleshing out Deuteronomy six through Deuteronomy seventeen. Deuteronomy six, when he talks about teaching the law to your kids, when you get up, when you walk, and when you lay down, it's not like we don't we don't teach our kids. Hey, Monday we're going to deal with finances. And Tuesday, we're going to deal with friendship. And then Wednesday, we're going to talk about sex, you know. Um, it's And just unload have, everything we know about those topics and be like, yeah. here you go. <laughs> and I mean, most of you guys don't know much about sex anyway, so it wouldn't take you long on Wednesday. But, um, so what I'm, what I'm saying is we can have dozens of conversations with our kids every single day about all kinds of different topics. And I so I kind of feel like, that's what Solomon's doing in Proverbs. But, you know, there's other people who disagree with me and they're smarter than me. But um, and so there's no real discernible in my mind. And so you can be if you preach Proverbs 10 in an expository fashion, it's going to kind of be like like helter skelter. You're going to be like jerked around on a roller coaster kind of a thing. Um, and so what I did. So one through nine, these uh, have these extended instructional discourses that Solomon's giving to his son. And so they set up nicely for expository sermons. Chapter 30 and 31, the conclusion, which we'll talk about, um, also have these extended discourses and can set up for expository preaching. There's a few in between. I think I think you make some some, um, you know, some cases for uh, unity in Proverbs 16, for example, and 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 pitting the sovereignty of God versus the actions of man, and then the, the, there's the sayings of the wise in 23, or 22, 23, and 24 that you could do. But on the whole, what I did was I did one through nine uh, as an expository sermon, and then what I did was I took chapter ten as just an example of the themes that Proverbs is fleshing out, and 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 kind of grouped them together and showed. In, and I just kind of preached 10 as a kind of expository sermon, but but grouped some of these together. Uh, I, pre- I preached 30 and 31. 
uh, as expository sermons. And then what I did for the rest of the book was I broke it down into themes. And so we did a theme on relationships. And so it was everything from marriage and parenting and friendships. So we did a, a, a one on finances. And so everything from um, how you spend to how you work, work ethic to generosity, it covers all of that. The use of the tongue uh, is a major theme. And so we had an entire series on the use of the tongue and kind of grouped them together. Um, and then we did, I did a, a couple that were like, I did a thing on the seven deadly sins. So again, the knowledge of good and evil. And so tracing gluttony, pride, wrath, all those things through Proverbs. And then I finally just did a a series on what we call like difficult Proverbs. And so I, and I would just take like the, the, the short aphorism. So train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart. How do we really understand that? You know, uh, things that uh, seem like apparent contradictions answer, not a fool according to his folly answer, a fool according to his folly. And so we, so that, that's kind of how I, how I broke it down tried to at least give, you know, a thematic sweep of what was happening in the book. How many weeks did that end up being? It was like a year. A year. Okay. Gotcha. We broke Josh. it up. We broke it up. And then having those different series breaks it up a little bit because you're doing it's it's a little bit different each time. Right. right. There's nothing more seeker sensitive than a series on the seven <laughs> deadly sins. Yeah. <laughs> Bring all your friends for gluttony. Yeah. Yes. Don't invite them out to I eat did, afterwards. I did not show <laughs> clips from the movie seven. Because I thought that, that, yeah, that would be inappropriate. Probably that, that would be over the top for sure. Josh, how did you break it down? My series was much shorter. It was just over a summer. So I actually started with an introductory sermon. I don't normally do that since most books introduce themselves. But Proverbs, just as a way to think through some of these issues. Then did basically one through nine um, expositionally, though did chapters five through seven as a single sermon. I actually did six through nine as a sermon and did eight separately. Um, some that was driven by doing it just over the course of a summer. Right. Then we did topics sort of like John was saying that probably the only difference was we set them up as sort of verses. So it was like, um, it was like immorality versus intimacy. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, gossip versus encouragement, that type of thing, just as a way to frame yeah. it. But it was the same thing, looking at topics, how Proverbs handles it, um, and sort of set up a structure in those sermons. So they were sort of very similar structurally. Right. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about that later yeah. and, and how to do that. Um, I actually think I got that from John in a doctoral class years ago. So I stole it from him and used it. I do think, so let me just say this. I've, I've helped a lot of pastors to do like summer series in, in Proverbs, and, and I always— um, I always definitely, like Josh said, I encourage an introductory sermon because I do think you want to, to explain what's happening in Proverbs. Because as as we said earlier, preachers, there's a lot of preachers who love to preach Proverbs because it's so, quote unquote, practical, and there it, it lends itself to application, and that's all great, but it can lend itself to moralistic application and, and those kind of things. And so I think a introductory thing that sets up how Proverbs connects with the gospel and then how these other things flesh out. And so it, it's a lot, a lot of people have done it very similar to what Josh did. It's like introductory sermon. And then they'll either, they'll either do, you know, some selected passages in one through nine, or they'll do selected 
themes. So they'll say introductory sermon, then we'll do one sermon on relationships, one sermon on money, one sermon on words or whatever. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. Uh, I think it'd be really helpful for you to outline what that introductory sermon looked like. You know, was it just, uh, okay, here's how you read the book of Proverbs. What did, what did it look like? Yeah, yeah, let's do good. that. Let's let's do that in Proverbs the, the the next episode on Proverbs one and two. I think it'd be good for us to say, here's how okay. you know I preached that. Um Liam, anything you would say? I know you didn't preach through the whole book, but you anything you'd say to as far as how to map it out? Yeah, exactly the same as what the guys have said. We did uh, one to nine as a series. Uh we did it over about ten or eleven sermons. Um there are um there's lots of repetition, as you would expect. Um, but we figure if God wants us, if God wants us to hear something two or three times, then we might as well lay it out two or three times. That's good. Hey, so normally in this we go uh, kind of uh, the Christ connections, then application. We've already talked about how this is a very applicable. So for this first episode, I don't know if we're going to go to that. So mainly, John, I'll start with you. Big ways this points to Christ, kind of the big themes that you see play out, uh, but then also address as you do, how do you do this in a way that, how do you kind of preach Proverbs in a way that doesn't become moralistic week after week, moralistic application? So take those together, but kind of what are the big ways that this is pointing us forward? And then how do you do this without uh, being kind of moralistic in your application? The big ways are kind of easy. So we're, so I'll definitely do that. I'll just say this real quick. I tell the story from time to time. Um, the issue is going to be more so week in and week out. How do you do this without doing the exact same thing every week? But when I was in my doctoral work in the book of Proverbs, there was a guy that was coming to Southern Seminary to teach uh, Graham Goldsworthy. And so he's, you know, one of the Yodas of Christ-centered interpretation and, and so forth. Not only that, he did his doctoral work in Proverbs and had a has a little commentary on Proverbs called the tree of life. And so he was coming and I was fortunate enough that the, the provost at the seminary at the time invited about, I don't know, 12 doctoral students to come to dinner with him. And then we were going to be able to ask questions. And so at the time I'm studying Proverbs in seminary and then I'm pastoring a church and preaching week in and week out. And so was Mike was like, John, you're, you know, your turn. And so I was like, Hey, you know, Dr. Goldsworthy, I've, Read your stuff, been so helpful. You know, I, I said, I get the big picture of like First Corinthians 1. Uh, Jesus is the wisdom of God for us. And, um, you know, that, that kind of thing. And how, so how wisdom points to Jesus. But like, if you're preaching Proverbs and you're an expositor and you're preaching week in and week out, like how week in and week out do you preach Christ from Proverbs? And uh, Dr. Colesworthy was like, uh, you know, paused for about 30 seconds. And he said, well, you know, Paul does say in 1 Corinthians 1 that Jesus is the wisdom of God. So I think I'd start there. <laughs> I was like, all right, thanks. I'm glad I came. And then it was hilarious <laughs> because this this little commentary I wanted to get a hold of is Tree of Life commentary. And um, and uh, so, I, so Russ Moore was the provost at Southern. And so Cole's really like going to the bathroom. I was like, man, I want to get this book, but I have to pay more in shipping and handling to, to get it shipped from Australia than the book is like worth. And he's like, well, just ask him, ask him for it. And I'm sure he'll give it to you. And, you know, and so I'm like, I, how do I do that without like coming out right and asking him? So we're walking to the cars. I'm like, Dr. Goldsworthy, uh, man, I'd love to get a hand on my hands on that 
tree of life commentary, but it's not available here in the States. How can I, how can I get that? And he said, well, just go on more theologicals website and order it there. So I did. <laughs> Do you have um, it? I have it. It's not real helpful because yeah. it's so short. It doesn't really address everything. It's, it's helpful in spots, but. So I would just say this to, in terms of like the big so picture. So for the first for the first episode of this series, we've just critiqued Graham Goldsworthy. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> John has. I, I, yes. Hey, yes, hey, I hey. Did. Come, come here for the hard-hitting action, Christian and Clear podcast. <laughs> I love Dr. Goldsworthy and, and have been, I mean, I, I've been so helped by him, but I was not as helped that night as I've been helped by his, his words uh, that he's put in print. Um so I think there's two big ways that you can do Christ in Proverbs. You can see Jesus as the son in Proverbs. He's the one who grows in the wisdom of the book and fulfills it. Or you can see Jesus as the wisdom, as the person of wisdom that you must embrace to become wise. And I think I think both are helpful and needed. Uh, one of those, viewing Jesus as the son. So talk about like reading forward and reading backwards. Seeing Jesus as the Son is a way to read forward and to and to say, this is what Proverbs is doing. Proverbs itself, Solomon, as he was inspired by the Spirit, is presenting this messianic hope of a son who's going to meet the wisdom of the book and establish a kingdom that reigns in righteousness and justice and and so forth. And that's what Proverbs is setting up. That's a lot of what I spent my dissertation on. And, and we'll talk uh, hopefully more about that. And I've got some more things to say about that if we have time. But the second is to see Jesus as wisdom. And that's reading back. That's the Goldsworthy, 1 Corinthians 1, Christ is our wisdom, our, our righteousness, our sanctification. And so you're looking back through the lens of the New Testament at Proverbs. And as it's presenting this personification of wisdom, that is not just a personification of Solomon's wisdom, but a personification of God's wisdom that created the world and leads to life and so forth. That That is embodied in Christ, right? And so for you to be wise, you cannot be wise without a relationship with Jesus. And so that's how you're going to preach that of like embrace the person of wisdom, the wisdom of God, and that's going to make you become wise. I think those are the two big ways that we see in Proverbs. Josh, as you walk through it, uh, things you would add there. Yeah, I think Psalm 1 and 2 is a good way to help you think about Proverbs. So Psalm 1, wisdom comes how from prolonged exposure to the text. Psalm 2, what what is what is prolonged exposure to the text do? Shows you your rebellious heart and invites you to flee to the sun um, for, for refuge. Well, Proverbs constantly shows you your rebellious heart. You can't read through uh, Proverbs and say like, wow, I'm a fool and I don't really do those wise things naturally. What hope is there for me? Well, I mean, Psalm 1 and 2, you flee to the sun for refuge. And so I think another aspect of that is the fact that we're constantly being shown our foolishness, our sin, and what do we do with that? Where do we go with that when we say like, man, I'm really not very wise. I'm really more of a fool. So I think there's a right, like, like John was comparing it to the, you know, the law and expedition. What does the law show us? It shows us our sin, our foolishness over and over, which then drives us to Christ uh, for forgiveness and for strength 
empowerment to then live out wisdom in our day to day. So I think that's an aspect of it as well. Liam, things you would add there, brother? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, the major things have been touched on. I think that we show how Christ is uh, embodies every every element of wisdom. That's the picture of the sun, like John said. Um, I guess I would also add that uh, one of the reasons why he's magnified in that sense as the good son is because um, he is the one who takes what knowledge he has of God and applies it perfectly. You know, if wisdom is take what, what you put in here, in your brain, if you, wisdom is where you take that knowledge that you have about God and his world and how he wants you to live and you put it into practice. Um, if that's what wisdom is, then I think it was Packer who said that, that Christ is the one who has uh, taken all that he knows and has chosen the best um, and most noble way to apply it possible, which takes you to his cross. Um, and then, um, in I guess, in, in, uh, in the application of that for us, um, a right application of that for us, it, it, it describes how we therefore ought to live in the light of Christ and his cross. Um, and um, it describes how those who are, uh, if you like, the branches live when they're truly attached to the vine. Any final things, John? You said there's some things you might you might build on. Yeah, I would me, say go ahead, go ahead and do here, it. Because yeah. I think it'll help in terms of talking about application as well. And so let me just try to do this as quickly as possible. When you think about Jesus being the son who's presented in Proverbs, Proverbs is, and I, this is what I write, wrote in my dissertation, Proverbs is a training manual for kings. Okay, and this again, this goes back to First Kings 3. This wisdom is what you need to rule. Um, and so it's a training manual for kings. And I, I, we'll get maybe more into that as we get into specific things. And then Isaiah 11 is giving us this future prophecy of the Messiah. And he is an embodiment of the book of Proverbs. He is anointed by the spirit of wisdom and understanding and the fear of the Lord and, and so forth. Judges by not, not by what his eyes see. Um, and those kind of things. So, there, so it's a training manual for kings. Uh, that's what it's about. And there is a um, a lot of what I wrote in my dissertation uh, has been fleshed out by others. And there was a, a lecture on how to preach Christ from Proverbs that a guy named Guillaume Davies did a couple of years ago that's been very helpful and has filled out some of my thinking on this. Um, but But he talks about there being a clear dramatic structure to Proverbs that there's this movement from the naive young prince to the wise, well-married king who's ruling in, in righteousness and justice. And and Peter Lighthart, again, who we've quoted and, and has been very helpful, uh, Davies kind of pushes back. Lighthart sees it as the same son from the beginning to the end of the book who's progressing in wisdom, whereas Davies says, no, uh, it's two different princes, that the prince in chapters one through nine who's being told to choose between wisdom and foolishness for his bride. But there's good reason to think that he actually chose foolishness. He, in chapter nine, he walks past wisdom's house and he goes on towards folly's house and that he doesn't make the right choice and he doesn't grow. And that's Solomon's sons, all of them. That's the the thing that we see is that they didn't, they did not choose wisdom. Um, Eventually they choose uh, foolishness. And then you get to the end of the book, and in the conclusion, 
to the book in chapters 30 through 31. It's this, it's this crushing disappointment at the end of, of 30 of like, I'm stupider than any other man who, who has known wisdom and, and how, what are we going to do unless, unless someone comes down from heaven, then, then we've got no shot. And you get to the end in chapter 30, in 30 verse three, he says, I've not obtained knowledge of the Holy One. That phrase, knowledge of the Holy One, is used only one other time in the book. It's in chapter 9, uh, where that's what wisdom is, is knowledge of the Holy One. And he gets to the end of the book and he says, I've not, I've not done it. So we've expected progress, but we didn't get it. We get disappointment uh, at the end of the book. But then you have this, uh, this hope that, that God's Son is going to come down from heaven. He's going to be wisdom for us. And then you get chapter 31. And in chapter 31, uh, you have, again, just to say this quickly, you have in, in chapter 31, you have a king that we're introduced to, King Lemuel, who we're never introduced to anywhere else in the Bible. His name literally means the one who belongs to God. Um, he has a mother. He has a queen mother, but no father. Um, when she speaks of him, when she calls him my son, she does it in Aramaic instead of doing it in Hebrew. And the only other time that, to Josh's point, the only other time that my son is used in Aramaic in the Old Testament is in Psalm 2. Um, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. And um, and so suddenly you have a mom at the end of the book who's addressing her son, and he chooses wisdom as his bride. Um, and so he's spoken of well uh, at the gate and, and so forth. And so there's this hope that while all the other sons of Solomon have failed, and falling short at the end of the book, we're given this hope that there is there is going to come a guy, the one, one who belongs to God in the future, and he's he's going to make the right choice, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and it's going to last forever, and he's going to fulfill the promises to David. Um, and so what what Davies points out, I think it's a really good, uh, and we talk about application. That's how we point it to Christ. But when we talk about application, is to say, look, he used an illustration from the the Netflix show The Crown. And how there's this in one of the earlier seasons, I've never watched it, but in one of the earlier seasons, there's this episode where Elizabeth, when she's when she's young and she's in school, she's she's not being she's being taught like the intricacies of like constitutional law and theory and all these things. And she's not being given this like wider, you know, uh, education, liberal arts education. And so it makes it where she's really dull at dinner parties because she's just not able to speak on a lot of things. But when she needs to face Churchill down because he's violating constitutional law, she's able to do that because she's a specialist. And what David is pointing out is that what Proverbs is saying, look, for you to actually be a good king, you don't need to be a specialist. You first need to be a good worker, a good friend, a good husband, a good father, uh, a good money manager, one who controls their tongue, like the the everyman Israelite who's the ideal Israelite, that's who is going to be the king. And so that's where I think it helps think about application to us. As Josh pointed out and, and Liam pointed out, both we fall short of this. We, we're, we're not living up to this. That's why we need a king who has. And then once we have that king that we're bound to need to, then, then we can become the husbands and fathers and brothers and uh, so forth that God has called us to be. And so I think that helps us to think through the very practical application of the book. Until you master the ABCs of wisdom, you're not fit to rule. You're not fit to lead. 
you've got to master those things first. Um, and there is one who has, and his name's Jesus. Mm. I think that's a good place for us to to end episode one um, of, of this new season. And so guys, thanks for pitching in really, really helpful stuff. We appreciate you guys listening to the Christ Center clear podcast, where we're looking at seeing and sharing Jesus and all of the scriptures. And we'll look forward to hearing from you guys uh, in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.